you know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. Mm. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Forever35. Hello. 
Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. No, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Dory, we do. You can visit our website, Forever35Podcast, for links to everything we mention on the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Forever35Pod, Instagram at Forever35Podcast, and you can join the Forever35 Facebook group where the password is serums. Whew. Ooh, I said that fast. Kate, you did it. Um, we also have uh, a shop my at shopmy.us slash Forever35. You can shop Kate's butt care shelf. <laughs> it's really Sorry, that still makes me laugh. It's really awesome. Oh, my God. Um, And you can sign up for our newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. And if you'd like to reach us, you can call or text us at 781-591-0390. And our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com. Okay, Kate. Yeah. Do you want to talk about having a good cry? Uh, I just want to share that I, I I had one of those like yelling cries today. I just had a cry. Mm-hmm. I have some stuff going on. And I just, mm-hmm. I got into my, I was already crying and then I got into my car and then I just, you know, kind of did the kind of like sound cry. You know, when you like kind of let mm-hmm. it out a little guttural, it felt really good. I will, I just want to say like, thank you to the cry because, oh, I needed it. I needed to have a cry. I haven't had one yeah. in a while. I had to kind of work through some of that energy. And, uh, you know, I mean, crying is self-care, man, but it's, it can feel so uncomfortable sometimes when it's happening, you know, sometimes crying feels good. And other times mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. you had a, you had a cathartic cry. It, you know what it was, it was very cathartic. Um, and it was a necessary cry. And I think what's so interesting about crying is that sometimes, you know, something will bring it on, but the emotion that's coming out like sometimes it can, you know, it's almost like unclogging the drain and you're like, oh, wow, there was a lot mm-hmm. of junk in here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a little, I unclogged my drain, my emotional drain, and I, I got some stuff out and it was, you know, what was inside wasn't pretty, but it needed to kind of get mm-hmm. out. So, so there we are, you know, there we are. And how do you feel right now? Um, tired, Mm -hmm. like I need to, um, you know, take out my contacts. They got Mm. a little dried out, but otherwise I I feel like kind of subdued, relaxed. Like it was almost like Mm. getting a, it was like getting an emotional massage. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I need it. I need, I I can't remember the last time that I did have a big cry. So that tells you something too, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't know when the last time um, mm-hmm. it all came spilling out for me. So here I am. <sighs> here you are, Kate. That's all I needed to share. Big cry. Well, I'm glad that you shared that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I um, I mean, in other yes, news, Kate? I did try like a jelly toner, but I'll have more to share on that in the future. Oh, you know I love a jelly toner. I know you do. And you were kind of the reason that I was like, oh, maybe I'll try a jelly toner. So I did. 
Okay. Well, I look forward to the report. I will report back as I, I get a little bit further into using it. But right now, I'm into the jelly toner. Okay. Well, Kate, I have returned from my travels. Yeah. How was this? Did you have so much fun? You know what? I did. I had a really good time. Um, I did, you know, by, I would say by day three, I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm ready to go home. Um, I had one more day and like, I'm glad I had that one more day. Like I saw people who I hadn't seen and that was really nice, but it was also nice to feel like, oh, okay. Like I got what I needed out of this kind of good, you know, that's, that's so, okay, wait, we haven't. We haven't talked about the fact that you went to your old hairdresser. Do you remember? We were comparing this to your grandfather oh trying the duck. Okay. Pa- Pappy? Poppy? So, pa- what did you call your grandfather? Papa. Pa- Papa trying the duck. Papa. I have to report that the duck is still good. Meaning your hairdresser. Your New York City hairdresser from 10 years yes. ago. Yes. Now, you can't really tell right now because I just showered and my hair is like wet. Um, but I sent you a picture like after oh, I you just did. had it cut. You I'm like, I you think it looked that. pretty good. It did. It looks great. Did you also darken your hair or is that just the color? No, it is? Like, that is great. my natural color. Oh, I just had jealous. like balayage for a long time mm-hmm, that really mm-hmm. lightened it. But you know what? When he like we were, he was like looking at my hair dry before he cut it just to kind of get a sense he was like oh your color's great and i was like babe that's my natural color (laughs) babe i mean i didn't say babe but (laughs) i didn't say that um but yeah i was like this is it this is my color like i don't i i still have some like residual blonde at the very ends but like this is my color i don't call he's like well you color your gray you like cover the grays right i was like no this is it i don't have i have i have a few i have a few select grays but that's it. I don't. Co- I don't mm. color it at all. This is my natural hair. I was like, you know, I spent so much time, like as a youth, dyeing it like auburn and red and like all these colors that like didn't really look that good. <laughs> and now I'm like, wait, I actually like my hair. It's like a nice, rich brown. It's g- so gorgeous. Thank you. So this has been like a nice journey of self-acceptance. So thank you for oh. noting that, Kate. Oh, that's so yeah. sweet. I th- I think that's wonderful. Thank you. Well, I'm I mean, glad you had I a still restorative en- I still journey. Enjoy, yeah, I still enjoy coloring, getting my hair colored every so often. But like, I also really like my natural color. Mm. Um, It was really nice to see him. He at least pretended to remember me. I mean, I don't know if he actually did. Um, because it had been 10 years since I saw him. 10 years. That's wild. My hairdresser from 10 years ago, there's no way that they would remember me. There's just no, it's impossible. Like, I don't believe it. Yeah. I refuse to believe it. He gave me like an effusive hug and, you know, kiss on the cheek when I got it, when I got there and was like, acted very excited to see me. (laughs) It was like very sweet. (laughs) Um... I know. And yeah, I was just like, look, I, I never found someone in LA who like, like I've had good haircuts, but like, I've just never found someone who I feel like really cut my hair as well as you. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, he's German. He was like, well, 
I am European trained. <laughs> oh. He's like such a snob. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> You're like, I get it. <laughs> wow. But you know, I don't have that much hair. And he spent like an hour on it. And that was what like, I remembered that about him. Like he was so careful and like mm. really just like thought about it so deep like he really like thinks about your hair and i was like you like he's an artist <laughs> he's a true artist wow you you guys really reconnected we really reconnected i was like i i mean i guess i just have to come back to new york like two to three times a year to get my hair cut this yeah, is my life now add that expense in no big <laughs> yeah, deal i mean I'll just there are people who NBA. do do that anyway it was it was a really great – it was just a great experience. And it was also just funny because, like, as discussed on this podcast, I had no idea what it was going to be like. And I was like, this, you know, as as I said, this could go horribly wrong. Or it could just be like a wah-wah, like a like – a, yeah. just like a letdown, you know? But it wasn't. It was not. I'm happy that you had such a good experience. And I'm happy also that Thank you just you. got to, like, go away – see family, see friends, go to the US Open. You felt yeah. you felt COVID safe throughout? Yeah. I Good. did. I masked on the plane both ways. Um I mean, today's Wednesday. I got back Monday night. So, I think I mean, I don't have any symptoms today. I think Omicron moves so quickly that I would probably I would definitely know by tomorrow if I Yeah. had it. And I would probably already be feeling some symptoms now. I think, you know, two days out. Um, I did get my bivalent booster, um, like, when did I get it? Six days, five days before I left. So, like, not long enough for the full effects to be there, but enough that I think I got some, I mean, I probably got some protection. There we go. Get in there, bivalent booster. I'm really hoping mine works. Get in there. Get right? in there, bivalent yeah. booster. I mean, get yeah, in there. I don't know. I still haven't had COVID, so I just don't, I, know. I don't. I, you know, and I'm like, when is it coming? It's gonna, it's gonna hit me like when I least expect it. It's gonna be some, you know, dumb dinner or you know what I mean, like something that yeah. I'm just not expecting, and then I'm gonna get COVID. But uh, you know, it just. I, I have given up dreading it and just I'm careful. Uh, I'm like, s I'm still sort of like, you know, I still mask on the plane, mask in the airport, but I didn't mask at the U.S. Open. You're outside. I felt correct. fine about it. Good. Was outside. Not, you know, that's is what it is. Dory, shall we take a break and come back with our guest? Yes. What a delightful guest we have today. We are talking today to Sona Mavsesian. Do you know her from Conan O'Brien? Yes, you do. Sona has assisted Conan for over 13 years. She has been a regular feature on all things Team Coco, a fan favorite. There's a legendary trip to Armenia that they took. Now Sona co-hosts Conan's podcast, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. 
which is a regular podcast in my house. She stars in the IGTV show hosted on Team Coco every Friday. Sona fixes your life. Hopefully, she's going to help fix our lives. And she lives here in Los Angeles with her husband and her twin sons. And also, of course, from all this experience as Conan O'Brien's assistant, she then took that expertise and wrote a book, which was a New York Times bestseller this summer, The World's Worst Assistant. Funny, hilarious, insightful, cool. We just had the best time talking to Sona. I mean, just buckle up. Yeah. I mean, always buckle up, always buckle up, mm-hmm. but buckle mm-hmm. up even more today. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to take a short break and we will be back with Sona. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get oh, into okay, it. Do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish 
on Masterclass. Every year, I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like, I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 Lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or Think Like a Boss with Martha Stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually... Actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince. But it was a little chilly out, so I threw on my cashmere hoodie. Also from Quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or toot, or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from thirty dollars. You got washable silk tops, really stunning fourteen karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E 
quince.com/forever35 to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com/forever35. Sona, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're both very excited to have you on. Um as someone who has followed your journey on television and also via my podcast listening app. Ah. This is this feels very like uh you know I'm talking to someone who I have like a parasocial relationship with. Oh my gosh. It is you're amazing a- oh. how many people know so much about you when you're on a on a podcast, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. we have that with people with us, but I just realized in talking to you I was like, "Oh, I have that with you." Uh-oh, buckle up. Yeah, I'm into it. I like it. I I think it's you know, like earlier I was telling you guys about my boys and then you knew that I had twins and I'm like, oh, I talk about that all the time. So yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it is weird. It's in, it's interesting. I mean, well, actually I want to get to this later because I am curious how it's impacted your life having so many people follow along. But before we get to that and get to your book and everything, um, we like to start every episode and every interview with a guest asking about a self-care practice that they have in their own life, which can literally be anything. But uh, is, there, is there something you do that you consider <laughs> self-care? Uh, I do a lot of self-care. I try to. Um, you know, none of it is like taking a bath or like it's it's very small things that I do throughout the day. Breathing is a big, big part of my life. There's moments where I just take a moment and just take a few deep breaths. I think if if I don't, and and I mean like very sort of controlled and like deep breathing. And I do that for maybe just like 20 seconds, but it makes a huge difference. That I stretch a lot. I, uh, I'm not flexible. Mm. So it's shocking that I'm not as more flexible considering how much like throughout the day, I'm just grabbing things and like pulling myself on them or like grabbing a leg and just stretching. Um, and then, you know, my mom was a yoga instructor. I don't, I'm I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, but my mom, like in her forties, just was like, I'm going to become a yoga instructor because I love yoga. And I went to a couple of her classes and I'm like, I can't believe I came out of this bitch. I cannot believe the things (laughs) that she could do with her body. And like, I have an Uh, age, I I have an age advantage and I, it's incredible what she can do. Uh, So yeah, stretching and, you know, at night I take edibles to help me sleep. That's something Mm -hmm. I do. Uh, And chocolate every day. Every single day, I have to have some kind of chocolate. Ooh, no, what's your favorite kind of chocolate? Yeah. Oh, it's if it's chocolate, it's it's my favorite. <laughs> I don't have a favorite. <laughs> I know people. There's people who will be like, I like this type of chocolate. This type of chocolate is so good, and I'm like, if if it even looks like chocolate, I you know when a chocolate goes so bad, it like lightens in color and it becomes very flaky. I'll even eat oh, that, yes. and I'll be like, yeah. hell yeah, yeah. It gets like mm-hmm. a covering of dust. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when you you open it, it's got that like white flaky thing. And I still am like, well, this is what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll take any kind. That's really funny. I, uh, I I like it to save a Reese's egg and just like let it linger all year and then find it. So, mm-hmm. oh, once I'm, I'm a big Cadbury egg fan and I put one in my purse and it just melted over everything. And my phone is still sticky and it's been two years oh, and it's oh still sticky. There's still <laughs> buttons that, that stick. 
But you know, you're uh, a mom of two young children, so I feel like everything is going to be sticky at this point. Like, yeah, it's okay to lean into that. Sticky Just let the or wet. Ugh. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's be honest, right? <laughs> Just yeah. like so Why many is this wet. It's all unpleasant. It's just unpleasant. And then, you know, we just installed a gate by our stairs and I forgot it was there. This just happened last night. And I crashed into it full speed and I fell on the ground and nobody else was around. So I just laid there and I was like, oh, this is the most incredible pain I've been in recently because I did give birth to these babies. So that was a lot of pain. But then (laughs) I just, I was just laying there and I was like, oh, and I, I have like, I think I like bruised a rib and I fell and I was bleeding and I got a bandaid. I know. Uh, well, I don't even know why I brought that up. I just, I got, I guess I want you guys to know my struggle (laughs) because life is hard. (laughs) You know, if that's, if that's as hard as it gets, then I'm fine. I know, but it's just those moments where you're just like, did I just fucking, I just did that. And like, I this is the day fell? I'm having. Yeah. I just fell. I fell. I'm on the floor and you know, like I'm like writhing in pain. I just remember just being there. I was like, ah, <laughs> ah. anyway, I'm fine. It's fine. Uh, you know, it's everything will heal. It's just, I don't know how my ego is going to handle it. Well, let's, I mean, Something that is good for your ego. Work with me on this segue is the fact that you're a New York Times bestseller, which is very exciting. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. We've we've both been reading your book in preparation for this interview. And one thing that kind of I felt like the timing was really fascinating is that it came out with all these articles about quiet quitting of jobs, which is basically like Mm -hmm. people slack. It's just like another word for slacking off that like the New York Times started calling it quiet quitting. Yeah. But it seems to kind of correlate really well with, I think, a lot of your philosophy that you kind of write about in your book. And I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this idea of there's like a whole new movement of people who are just kind of quietly checking out at work. Like, is yeah. that, that doesn't seem to be anything new, in my opinion, as a person who has worked in corporate jobs. Yeah, I think uh, I, I didn't plan it. I, I, I was thrilled. Trust me, I was thrilled. Every time yeah. I see a new article, I'm like, hello, <laughs> let's 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 spin this to sell some books. But I uh I I think that first of all, I mean, if I understand the term quiet quitting, isn't it people just doing the bare minimum at their jobs yeah. and then not going above and beyond, right? That's what it yeah, is. I don't think it's like yeah. I don't think it's but I don't think it's exactly like slacking off per se. It's just like it's just doing your job. It's just yes, like you're not slacking. You're just kind of doing your job, but you're not yeah, like answering emails on the weekends. You're not like, yeah, you're just not going above and beyond. You're just doing like literally your job description, like what you are paid to do. Not exactly. Yeah. I love how also, I mean, I can't tell if this is a negative thing. If people are looking at, you know, this generation of kids who are doing this and being like, look at these kids just doing their jobs. And I don't know if they're, if they're disgusted by it or if they're impressed by it, because I think that that is normal. I don't, I mean, I think setting boundaries is good for your mental health. I think more and more people are talking about their mental health and how work affects it. And I think that's good. Um, and I think 
I got lucky. I, I got a, you know, a television job where I work for a very cool person who was, who was really good with boundaries. And then I wrote a book about it, but I thought it was going to be this kind of novel idea. Like, look at this. Like, you don't have to be treated like a piece of shit at work. Can you imagine? (laughs) But Mm -hmm. then, you know, there is this young group of people, this generation that's coming up that's like, oh, we never wanted to be treated like pieces of shit. And I'm like, you didn't? I'm, I thought that was just how things were, that that's just what you do is that you get jobs in these really fascinating industries like, you know, entertainment and finance. And, you know, uh, I, I have no idea. There's so many industries that treat people like garbage, but I, and tech. And I thought, oh, if you want to work in those really fabulous industries, you have to be, just be okay with being treated like shit. And then someone comes along and is like, uh, no, you don't. <laughs> Like what? That's amazing. Well, something that I thought was 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 really um, interesting in your book was how you describe Conan as a boss, and kind of seems like you're arguing that like he was never treated like shit. Like he was always kind of like a golden child in a you know in Hollywood um right. and it's almost like he was self-confident enough and secure enough that like he didn't have to treat his assistant like shit like he wasn't trying to prove anything and he also didn't have this thing that I think a lot of like my bosses might have had which is like well I was treated like shit so I'm going to treat other people like shit like it's just a rite of passage um yeah. and I think that's also the thing that you know, from what, like what you were saying that Gen Z is kind of trying to challenge, you know, this idea that like, just because you were bullied doesn't mean you need to bully other people. Um, But I guess this is all like leading to my question, which is, if you are in a position where you are looking for a job as an assistant, is there any way to tell if your potential boss is going to be a Conan or a monster. Oh, I think it's very obvious. I do. I really think, and I've, I've, I interviewed for a lot of jobs before, you know, I eventually got to Conan. I mean, I was working since I was 16, I think about 16 years old. So I've been working consistently since then. And so I've had a wide variety of managers. And um, one of the things I've noticed, especially when I was starting off working in television, I, I was thinking I was going to get a job working in an agency and I interned, I, I interviewed with a few agents and like a couple of them were like, if I call you at 11 PM, will you be available? And you know, that was like a question mm. they asked. And back then I was so hungry and so green. I was like, yes, I will. And you know, now if someone asks me that question, I'm like, fuck no, I'm not going to be available at 11. You know, it's like whatever you need at 11, you can handle that. You know, I'm off the Mm -hmm. clock at that point. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that there's always ways to tell. They can ask you specific questions that kind of give you an idea. But I've also just been, I know this is going to sound very Californian of me, but I'm really all about the vibe. And I think Mm -hmm. the vibe when you feel like 
something's off, it's off. I knew early on after I met Conan, I was like, this feels like it's going to be a good move. And it was. And I and I think you're right. I, I, I do a whole section in my book called The Human Centipede Theory, <laughs> which is incredibly scientific <laughs> and based on so much research. And it's all about how bosses shit in the mouths of the people that work for them, metaphorically speaking, of course. Uh, and how they get mistreated and then shit in the mouths of the people below them. And I yeah. think that uh, I I do sincerely believe that shitty bosses are just shitty people. And I think that even if you are mistreated, you could just make the decision not to mistreat other people yourself. One thing that I, that I have been thinking about in kind of reading your book is just this, like this kind of, the way we've been kind of conditioned to strive and thrive and think about jobs as like stepping stones and this upward mobility of career and how I, I feel like you offer a different perspective on on this. Is that something you've consciously thought of in your yeah. life or is, is it more just um, has always been your your perspective? No, I, I think, <clears throat> you know, nobody in college who's working their ass off thinks I'm going to be a career assistant. I'm going to be someone who's just going to assist someone forever. And I think it it was never what I saw myself doing. It was never, or for a, like a long time, it was never the end game for me. But I remember doing this job and after a few years, people were like, what's next? What are you going to do next? And I'm like, oh, I really like this. Can I just stay here forever? Does this have to go anywhere else? And I think that once I realized I just really liked my job and I liked going to work and I was getting well compensated and I was working with people I thought were cool and I was working for someone I thought was cool, then I was like, I don't, I don't need to look at this as a step to the next place. I could just be here and just be like, this is cool. I like this. And so that's, that's how I started looking at my job. And I stopped looking at it as what's next. What's Mm -hmm. like, I think that a lot of people who start off working in really competitive industries like television, I think they're like, I'm going to take over TV one day. I'm going to run TV land. (laughs) I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the like top of the TV, you know, universe is anymore. I uh, but I think everybody's like I'm going to run television. I'm going to do it. And then I I was the same way. I got into TV and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to fuck it up. I'm going to fuck up television. I'm going to make television my bitch." And then after a while I was like, "Oh, I don't that sounds exhausting." <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like no thanks. Yes. So I just I stopped looking at it as a stepping stone and I started looking at it as this is good. This doesn't need to go anywhere else. Maybe something will come along and that'll be fun and 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 things have come along and you know, I think once you change your uh, approach to it, it can really be very liberating. Well, yeah. I mean, you've always <laughs> been <Yeah. laughs> It's interesting yeah. though like you have always been like a communicative a communicative person. Like I think to like go now into being in the podcasting space or like yeah. being on camera even though I know you're not an actor or like technically a performer. No, yeah, I'm not. But like personally like uh, as a human, do you feel comfortable in this kind of space of like of sharing? I mean we were talking about our parasocial relationships earlier. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. Yeah, you know, like you are putting yourself out there in a way that is somewhat like it's not performing, but it is offering something. 
It is. I think it is. That's the thing I have to wrap my head around. And there are things that I say where my parents will come up to me or, you know, my husband will come up to me and be like, why (laughs) did you talk about? Like my mom, there's a section in the book where I talk about the four worst dates I ever went on, which were coincidentally with the same person. And my mom was absolutely horrified. And she came up to me afterwards after she read the book. And I thought there were so many things that she was going to have a problem with. You know, like I talk about smoking weed at work. I talk about like, uh, you know, uh, all the times I used to egg houses when I was younger and how (laughs) much I just didn't care about schoolwork. And I thought, oh my God, she's going to come up to me and just be like, I had no idea you were so out of control. But it was, why did you talk about your dates with this person. And I'm like, Hmm. that's what you have a problem. That's what you have a problem with. And she hated it so much. She asked if I would take it out of future prints of the book. And she's like, you need to get that out of there. That it takes down the whole book. It's terrible. You need to get that section out of there. And so there are things that come along with this whole thing about being on a podcast and talking to people and like, uh, that I never, prepared myself for. And I think it's because I don't have a performing background that I don't know how to be anything else other than like, you know, what I am. And I think I don't know how to present a different persona that's more public, you know? And so I think because of that, uh, you could tell I'm, I'm somewhat unpolished in a way because of that. Um, but I, I, I like to think that that's what people respond to. I'm hoping that's what people like about my presence on the podcast is that I'm just kind of being myself. Uh, But I don't know. I mean, there could be a a huge people could hate me and I wouldn't even know. That's how uh, that's how removed I am from how people perceive me. I just I think I just go in. I do it as long as I'm still on there. I'm thinking I'm doing okay because I think if I was terrible, they would say you need to not be on this podcast anymore. (laughs) So the fact that they tell me, they don't tell me that, then I'm like, I think everything's okay. And so I, you know, I, um, but you're right. There is something really strange about this that is public and it's very, and I think that the only way I know how to cope with it is to just tell myself that there's like 20 people listening and it's okay. If I say something stupid, it could be edited out and uh, no one will care. And then when I walk down the street, it's not like people are like, oh, my God, it's Sonam Obsessiate. It's no one knows who I am. (laughs) So it's kind of it's kind of just really nice. Okay, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it, and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad, they're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay, I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed, 
they combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting-edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. OneSkin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. All right, we are back. I wanted to go back to what we were just talking about um, in terms of like feeling like, you know what, I'm fine with like where I am in my career and I don't need to be head of the TV studio because I think that these questions of ambition for a lot of people um, really crystallized like during the pandemic because people were forced to, you know, work from home and spend more time with their families. And they were suddenly like, wait, like, what am I doing? Why, why was I spending so much time at work? And like, what is this all for? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just kind of curious to hear your thoughts on like, how to get out of the ambition Mm. at all costs kind of mindset, because I do think it can be really toxic. It's so toxic. I think it's very toxic. I think that what I... This is going to come off terribly. There are a lot of people in this world. There are the Conans of this world that will never give 60%. They will always give everything they have to what they do. And those people, I think, end up being extraordinary. But most people, I think, are like me, where we're just kind of, we're okay. You know, there's there's things we do that are really well, and there's things that we do that are not as great, and we're somewhere in the middle, <clears throat> and we need those people. Those people are the bulk of it, you know? And I think that with me, I got to a point where I was like, I am not going to do more than this. It's not like I looked at it in a negative way. I just looked at it as this what I like this. Isn't this mm. the whole point of ambition is to get to a point where you're happy, where you get to a point mm. where you, 
you, you create, you sort of get to a point where you're, you enjoy yourself and you're happy and you're at a, you're, you're sort of the, the thing that you're doing, whatever work it is, you're proud of it. And you enjoy going to work on Mondays. I, I feel like I was like, what's the ambition for? The ambition is mm. to get to that point where you're proud of the things that you're doing and you're happy with things. So my ambition just kind of shifted. It stopped being work ambition. It stopped being, I'm going to take over television. And it started being, I, you know, I want to enjoy things. I want to go on a different trip every month. You know, even if it's an hour away, I just want to have a trip every month. And so that became, so I think my ambition just sort of, sort of shifted. And I think that there's a lot of people, I think ambition is very important, but if you find yourself sort of at a point where you're stuck, just ask yourself, am I happy? What am I, what's the ambition for? And is getting ahead at work really going to accomplish that? You know, Mm -hmm. is it, is it really the thing that's going to make me a happy person? Mm -hmm. And, and if you are happy, and if you're like looking around in your life and you're feeling very grateful about things, then why do you feel the need to like go to like go further if it's not really what you want? I, I do think ambition is important. And I do think I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to answer this question. And then that's why I'm like going all over the place. I do think that there, I think ambition is important and I think that it's necessary. But I also think that some people, it's like, a huge personality trait for a lot of people. It's it's mm. they consume themselves with their ambition. And I don't think that that's healthy, but I also think that might just be a character trait and it might be a psychological thing. So to answer your question, I was going to start off with like, change your thinking. And now I'm like, maybe you need therapy. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I honestly don't. I think that I am getting to an age where I have friends who had a lot of big dreams and some of them accomplished them. And some of them are like, maybe I need to pivot. Maybe I need to find something Mm -hmm. else. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I did not answer your question. I'm so sorry. Oh, you, I thought you dug in. I don't, Yeah, I tried to, I tried to dig in and then I was like, talking. And then while I was talking, I changed my mind about what I wanted to say. <laughs> so I, and that's the problem is I don't think before I speak, I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. so I think that there, I think that, uh, there are always going to be ambitious people in this world, but if the ambition is what is making you unhappy, then maybe you need to just rethink that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, there, well, there. I think it's also when the ambition is tied strictly to a job and, and I, I think I, I'm reflecting so much after reading your work because I'm just remember, I'm just kind of reflecting on the pressure I have put myself under or externally have felt to give myself over to a company or a job. Yeah. Which is not a, not a, not something that loves me back. It's not, it's an entity that it, its sole purpose is to make money. And I'm not speaking about the job I do now. This is more when I worked for like, I worked for Viacom mm. and mm. it's like, uh, Wait, are you quiet? Could... Are you quiet quitting our podcast? <laughs> Quietly quitting the show. I mean, I'm just saying, Dory. If I do, if I do the kind of like not the bare minimum, but like the bare maximum, you just you know that's what's up. <laughs> all right, all right, noted. Uh, no, but I think it's like it's you know it's it's America, it's capitalism, it's this idea of just like well, this is the most important thing is like you giving yourself over to this job, which ultimately like maybe is not the thing that's going to serve you and ma- yeah. it's going to thing that might help you feed your family and like provide, but like 
that can be enough. Like it yes. doesn't need to be all. And, and like unconditioning my brain from that is something I I'm doing. And I think a lot of people have been, have been doing that lately. Like you were saying, Dory, kind of in the, the wake of COVID. Yeah. Like, why the fuck, why am I driving an hour to be in this office when I can just do the same shit at my house and like save an hour of childcare costs? Like yes. what, what was all this for? Yeah, yeah. I think that I, I, I think that my also it, things shifted a lot when I had kids. I think that my ambition went from I'm going to take over to television to I'm going to continue doing what I do, get paid, and then spend as much time with my kids as I possibly can. And you know, my ambition is can I be as present and as you know available to my kids, both like physically and emotionally as I can and still get to work and have that fulfillment from work. Mm. And that's, that was a very big thing for me. So that shifted a lot. Um, you know, we are, we did, but it also, it kind of like coincided, like the last day that we had, that we filmed a TV show was a week before my boys were born. And it almost Mm. was like my job changed along Mm. with my position in life. You know, it was, it suddenly went from, I need to go to the Warner brothers a lot or to Largo from, you know, 10 AM to 6 PM or, you know, however long we shot. And it went from that to now I'm, I'm a podcaster mainly. And which is a strange thing for me to say, and I'm still an assistant, but I can do all of those things from home. And while I'm home, I could prioritize my kids and prioritize spending time with my kids. And so I, I don't know. I think that like, I still want to go to work. I still wanted to work. It's an, it's an important thing for me to want to work. Uh, there are people, mothers who decide to stay at home and that's very important for them. But for me, it's still very important for me to, could, to go do a job. And so I think that, uh, as long as I have that and then I have that balance, I'm okay. Um, but in terms of work, my whole outlook on that was already shifting and it shifted a lot more after I had kids. It just totally, I think, flipped. How, how, how so? And do you feel, did your partners as well? Like, do you, do you, have you noticed other changes, I guess, in your perspective on life since becoming a parent? Well, it's not just becoming so, you know, for the majority of my time working for Conan, I was a serial dater. I never had like long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. So Conan was in a way the the biggest relationship in my life that I had to like work mm-hmm. on that was important to me and you know, if if we had issues, we had to talk about it. You know, it was just like it was in a way he was sort of the central figure in my life. And then I met my husband and then, you know, Conan obviously was still a a big priority in my life, but my, my husband in this relationship that I was, that I was in was starting to like become sort of the more central part of my life in a way. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, so things were shifting, but that was like, you know, I've been working for Conan for six, for 13 years. And this was about six years ago when I met my husband. So up until that point, Conan was the priority in my life. And then I met my husband and then he became the priority in my life. But I still was able to kind of give myself completely to my job. If we needed to travel, it was fine. I could do that. Mm. Um, And then, you know, when I had kids, that's when I think everything changed. That's when I stopped being the assistant who could just leave 
at a moment's notice and go, you know, with Conan to whatever a press shoot or a com- press conference or an interview that he had or uh, you know, a shoot for work or whatever. I stopped being that person who was just readily available and now it's 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 like it's everything's just sort of changed completely. You know, there's a there's another person, there's this guy David who took over for me when I was on maternity leave. Mm. And he was doing all that stuff where he would accompany Conan to shoots and interviews and and public appearances and stuff. And then when I was done with maternity leave, I just remember telling Conan and David, I was like, I think David should still kind of do that stuff. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> how does he just keep doing? He could keep just doing my job. And um, and so we just found a different, we kind of shifted, you know, my job changed. And it's because I was there for so long and because I had sort of made myself, I'm hoping, indispensable that Conan was very open to to making that shift with me. So now I feel like, uh, you know, this balance works. But if I had to do my my job the way I used to do it, I don't think it would work. So, so now we often end our interviews by asking people to share any skincare product favorites that they have. Are we done? Yeah. You guys, I was having a good time. Skincare, you guys, here's the thing. During the pandemic, I was like, I'm going to buy all the expensive shit, right? And I'm going to do all the expensive shit. And then I had I have like not it's like sunspots cuz I'm really bad mm-hmm. at applying sunscreen regularly and I had some on my forehead years ago. And I realized that for me the things that work the best is the shit you buy in the drugstore. Like I am mm-hmm. all about mm-hmm. the Cetaphil uh cleanser, the CeraVe AM and the CeraVe PM lotion and that's it and i i think that like there's a lot more i could do i could probably look more fresh my pores could probably look better i get it but i am um i also i think i have the opposite of body dysmorphia where i look at my face and i'll be like i look exactly the same as i did when i was 20 and i absolutely do not and i know that (laughs) i know that i don't but i look at my face and i'm like no, you're fine. It's like my body. It's like my mind is telling myself, like, you're okay. You're doing okay. Like, don't worry That's about great. it. Your Which mind is, is doing the Lord's work. I, I know. I, I really am grateful for that. So yeah. Anyway, so I, I think that I don't. I could probably do a lot thing. A lot of things better with my skin. I just. Uh, I don't a have the time and b care enough and c my mind is making me think I'm okay. So I'll just Those- stick with that. Honestly, though, those seem like really healthy things because mm-hmm. so much I think is, is, and I, I've had to really do some self reflection is like buying into marketing, buying into beauty standards, all that shit. So tr- truthfully, like if you're protecting your, your skin from the sun and maybe cleaning off some bacteria, that's enough. Like, that's it. It is right. It's crazy. It's crazy right now. How many, like I even, I remember Googling during the pandemic being like best cleansers on the market. And you know, they range anywhere from like $200, maybe even more to like, you know, $9. And I think that I, I tried so many of them and I was like, does this, is this making a difference? And I think that's where my mind plays tricks on me where I'm just kind of like, I can't tell the difference if it's good or if it's bad. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep using what I get at like the CVS down the street. And I'm just going to keep using that because it's fine. 
and my body can't tell that or my face can't tell the difference. My eyes can't tell the difference. So anyway, that's what I do. Um, and lots of water. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The greatest gift of all. Yeah. Not enough. I'm I'm not going to lie. I don't drink enough water. <laughs> like I have this thing and I'm like, I'm going to have three of these a day. And then uh, I don't. <laughs> but you have like half a one. That's pretty good. Yeah. I have half a one. And then one of my kids will try to drink out of it. And you know, they're just oh. spitting everything back out. And I'm like, oh, we got to start all over again. <laughs> that one's going in the plant. Let's start all over again. The kids sucking on. My kids are nine and 11 and they still will take my water bottle and slobber all over it and suck it down. And I get very enraged. Yeah. Maybe I'm a mean mom. No, no. You have every right to be enraged. Thank you. Thank you very much for validating me. Um, Well, Sona, this has been so fun to get to talk to you. Where can our listeners find you and hear you if they would just like to engage with you more? Okay. Uh. Well, you can also start a. What did you call it? A parasocial relationship. I really yeah. Like that let's term. get into a parasocial relationship <laughs> yeah. with Sona. Yeah. Uh. You can uh listen to me on the podcast Conan O'Brien needs a friend. It comes out every Monday and Thursday, and then uh I also wrote a book called The World's Worst Assistant. It's out now in bookstores wherever you buy your books. If it's independent or if it's bigger than independent, <laughs> it's there. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's really all I got. That's enough. This was such a delight. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, you guys. This was so fun. Dory, it's intention time. And I think I believe I shared with everybody last week that my dog ate my retainer. Which yes. is a, a humbling thing to have to call your dentist's office and say, as a 43-year-old woman, one, that your dog ate anything, and two, that you have a retainer. You know, it was like a real just humbling moment of leaving a message that was like, hey, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but my puppy ate my retainer off my bedside table, and can I get a new retainer made? But I did the call. I did it, and uh, the retainer's getting reprinted. Oh wow! Okay, so I mean, checkmate. Kate, don't you think also like they they've probably seen it all at this point? You know, you're not the first patient of theirs to have whose dog ate their retainers. You don't. Th- I mean, maybe hopefully not. I'm sure not. Certainly, people lose retainers all the time, and I guess I probably could have just said I lost my retainer, but of course, I'm an open book. And I gave them too much information about myself. But yeah, I agree. You're right. They did not. When I talked to them on the phone, they did laugh. But, you know, all in all, it's fair. It's ridiculous. My stupid dog ate my retainer. Mm. Anyway, this week, Dory, my intention is to just enjoy myself with my family. We are going on vacation together. And I have made a real conscious effort to, like, not be online, not be looking at work, just be focused Mm. on my husband and my kids and myself and having fun as a fam. So that is my intention. Okay. I love this for you. I'm excited. I'll I mean, I I hope I check this box. What if I come back and I'm like, well, attention, intention, not accomplished. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) I 
don't think there's any way you can't accomplish this. Thank you. Thank you. I will report back with vacation stories galore when I return home. I can't wait. Well, so Kate, my intention last week was to try and keep it moving and don't sweat the small stuff while traveling. And like, I think I, I think I did that. Yeah, you did. You've seen, you seem like very chill about all of it, which has been wonderful. Thanks. doesn't seem like yeah, you sweat so like, any small stuff. I don't think I really did. Like, for example, I went to see uh, my brother and his family on Sunday. They live in Connecticut. And I left, I left like early enough in the morning that it was pretty quick to get up there. There was no traffic. And then ca- coming back in the afternoon, it took me two hours. And I was like, first I got, when I got in the car and like Waze was like, one hour and 57 minutes. And I was like, oh, okay, fuck. <laughs> you know. But I was just like, uh, you know what? This is what it is. Just gonna put on my Lilith Fair playlist. Ooh. And just try to, you know, be zen about driving over the Cross Bronx Expressway. <laughs> like, it's fine. And, and did like Sarah McLaughlin and who else? Juliana Hatfields and Ani DeFranco carry you home? Yeah, they did. They really did. It's really funny you mention a Lilith Fair playlist because quite literally this morning I put on one of my favorites, the Indigo Girls live double disc 1200 curfews. So maybe we're just in a mood of like mid 90s Lilith Fair rock. I mean, honestly, I call it comfort music. Mm. Who's your favorite like Lilith Fair person? Oh my God. What's her face? What if God was one of us? Joan Osborne. Oh yeah. Joan Osborne. That song is on the playlist. Um, well, I mean, you know, Liz Fair. Oh, that's like, right. You're a big Liz Fair. I'm a big Liz Fair person. Um, gosh, just, I mean, there's just so many. Sarah Tracy. Tori Amos, Tracy Chapman. Tracy Chapman. Suzanne Vega. Um, like anyone you could think of jewel um it's 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 like it's all these people from the late 90s like all of the 90s if natalie merchant isn't on this playlist i'm quitting hey, this podcast of course she's on the playlist are you crazy oh my god <laughs> natalie and 10000 maniacs are both on the playlist uh, oh my god just inject that mtv unplugged with 10,000 Maniacs into my ears forever. One of my favorite um, albums ever. Oh my God. Oh, I'm going to listen to that. Yeah. Today. Oh, Fiona Apple, Indigo Girls, um, Cheryl Crow, Paula Cole, Sean Colvin, Bonnie <laughs> Raitt, Nico <laughs> Case, Melissa Etheridge, <laughs> Sophie B. Hawkins. Let's see. Luscious Jackson, Lisa Loeb, and the Chicks. The Chicks In addition were to all the people we Fair? already mentioned. Yeah. I had no idea. The Chicks were at Lilith Fair. So, yeah. It was, it's a great, great playlist. really carried me through. Um, and then this week, you know, Kate, you're going to be gone. So, all of our Forever 35 stuff that kind of like anchors my week is not there. So I'm going to try to not like 
whittle away the time. I'm going to try okay. to be to like get some projects done and use my time wisely, I guess. So I that's my that. intention for this week. Thank you. Thank you. Can so I much. throw one more like late 90s white lady feminist rocker out for you? Yeah. See if totally. she's on there. Dar Williams. She is not on there. Oh man, that was that brings me back. That name takes me to 1998. Whew. I was never really into Dar Williams. I wasn't either, but I had so one of my best friends was like a diehard Dar Williams fan. You and know, who I just thinking I need of that name. Add, um, Erica Badu was at Lilith Fair. Ooh, hoo, 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 hoo. I need to add some, and so was Missy Elliott. I need to add Nelly oh. Furtado. There's a few more people who I need to add to this playlist. You know, what is a real shameful moment of my life that I never went to Lilith Fair. I didn't either. I never went <gasps> either. You know Seriously? why? It was at the time. It was a little. Um, I think it was a little like hippie-ish for me. See, that doesn't excuse me because I was literally making clothing out of patchwork. Yeah, Lilith Fair was like really in your wheelhouse. I'm surprised you didn't go. It's a little too like soft. Like I'm not a Sheryl Crow stand. Like I couldn't see, I couldn't go see Jewel in concert or Sheryl Crow or Paula Cole. Like I can't. Eh. Interesting. Yeah. I'm really glad we got to the bottom of this on this podcast. <laughs> me too. If anyone was at Lilith Fair, though, I would love to have like a Lilith Fair, uh, like oral history. So if anyone wants to just call in with your Lilith Fair experiences, we can put together a little montage. Yeah. I mean, there have been some great act, like Lilith like Fair oral histories articles. Yeah. But I would love to hear from our listeners. Yeah, but have they ever been I done mean, on the Forever year, 35 podcast? No. This was the 25th anniversary of Lilith Fair this year. Wow. God, mm -hmm. that makes me feel old. Wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are old, but yeah. We are, and that's fine. <sighs> um, All right. Well, Kate, this has been delightful, as always. And we should remind everyone that Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrir, and you, Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager, our network partners, and cast. And we'll talk to you all again real soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.